Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and, Jesus, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Well, have you ever wondered how a sheep gets lost? How does a sheep get lost? Well, Mike Iacovelli, who is a consultant from, um, for youth ministry, tells this story about cows getting lost in the area that he lives, and he believes that it might just apply to sheep. You see, Mike lives in the shadow of Mount Shasta in a valley spotted with leftover lava from long ago volcano eruptions. And as a result of that, ranches checker the terrain of this northern California county. Cattle ranches predominate and cows are everywhere. And in fact, local laws specify that if a cow wanders into the road and your car hits it, you are legally responsible for the animal's death. (laughs) Many ranches have extensive uh, fencing, but too many cows still end up in the road. And one morning, Mike was in town talking to some people, and an old rancher began to explain how cows end up in the road and end up lost. The rancher said, the cow starts nibbling a tuft of grass in the middle of the field and then moving from one tuft to the next. And before you know it, she ends up at some grass next to the fence nibbling on that. And noticing a nice clump of grass on the other side of the fence, the cow stumbles through an old tear that hasn't been um, repaired in the fence and all of a sudden she finds herself outside on the road. Cows don't intend to get lost, the rancher said. They just nibble their way to being lost. Well, Mike Iacovelli said the rancher did not know it, but he was talking about more than cows and sheep. Mike said none of us intend to wander away from God uh, with our lives. It just happens as we wander down the highway of life. There are tufts of education, which maybe take precedent over our over God. Or tufts of marriage and family, which take precedent over God. Or there's tufts of, of, of a new home or a new job that take precedent over God. And then we just simply live our lives. And then one day we might just wake up and all of a sudden we might just feel a little bit lost. Or maybe perhaps a lot lost. Maybe we feel like we've wandered far away from God. Robert Fulcom is a writer, and he wrote a book uh, called All I Really Needed to Know I Learned in uh, Kindergarten. And he writes about uh, um, observing children in his neighborhood playing hide-and-seek. And there was a child playing one day who hid so well that no one ever found him. And again and again, this child would hide so well that no one would ever find him. They would all be back at home base, and he wasn't there, and they'd finally yell his name, and he would come running back to home base, but he was always very proud that he hid so well. Well, for Folcom, this frustrated him as he watched the children play this game. And he felt the object of hide-and-seek was never to play the game so well that you would never be found, thus all, the, all your friends would go home and just kind of leave you hidden and uh, forget about you. He thought that was not the reason you played this game. For Folcom, the object of hide-and-seek was to eventually get found. Well, one day, as the children were playing, 
Once again in the neighborhood, Folkham saw this boy hiding, hiding again so well that he wasn't found. And then, before he knew it, this boy was hiding in a pile of leaves underneath his window by his house, or S. So he watched for the other children to search for him, but they weren't finding the boy. And Fulcum was getting more and more frustrated. And finally, he yelled out the window at that pile of leaves and said, probably frightening the kid to tears, get found, go get found. Well, Fulcum wrote, sometimes it's hard to know how to be helpful. (laughs) But here's this. Perhaps one of the objects of life is never to stay hidden or lost from God uh, for a long time. Maybe the object is to be found, especially by God's grace and love and forgiveness, which is shown to us through the life of Jesus Christ. These two stories illustrate, I think, the way people end up lost. The first way is they just can wander away, perhaps unwittingly from their relationship with God, not even knowing their loss. It just kind of happens over time. And the object is for those who don't know their loss is to be found by God's grace and love and forgiveness once again. We have that image of Jesus going out, the shepherd going out looking for that sheep. And the second story illustrates how people can be lost because they spend a lot of time hiding, perhaps hiding things in their lives which are painful. They don't want God to know about that. Or perhaps hiding things in their lives that they are ashamed of from God. And they forget that God's love is about grace and transformation. So makes me stop and think about how we get lost from God. And here is what I wonder today. Have you ever felt lost? And how has God and God's love found you and brought you back home once again? I wonder about that. But in today's gospel lesson, Jesus is condemned for welcoming and eating with sinners by the religious leaders. In fact, they grumbled that Jesus showed compassion and love towards these who were considered lost. So Jesus told some parables to those religious leaders. That one about the sheep being lost, we just heard. The one about the coin being lost, we just heard. And in this great chapter of Luke's gospel, there's also the one about the son who wandered away and was lost and came home. Jesus wants to make it very clear to the religious leaders about what God's intentions are. And God's intentions are to do everything God can to find individuals who are lost. And in this parable, the people who are searching for the lost sheep or the lost coin, they do the unexpected. Jesus asks, which one of you having a hundred sheep and one strays away will not leave the 99 sheep alone in the wilderness and search for that one sheep? And when you find that sheep, which one of you will not place that sheep upon your shoulders and run home where you might find some other sheep now have wandered off, but say to your friends, nonetheless, I found my sheep, let's party. Which one of you would do that? And which one of you women, when you have lost a quarter, will move all of your furniture out of the house, rip up the carpet, take those heavy appliances out to the yard, and when you found your lost coin, will run out and shout to your neighbors, You're all invited to the party. 
like you've never seen before at my place tonight because I found my lost quarter. Which one of you would do that? Well, we probably all know the answer, right? None of us would do that, right? None of us would do that. Because it's such a huge risk to respond in such a way. To search for these items in this way seems like they're almost overreacting to the loss. Maybe you would just let it go, you know? Maybe you would just let it go. But these parables are about God and Jesus, and they're about God's extravagant love and Jesus' extravagant ways. These parables illustrate God's concern for those who lack the ability to find God, so God goes seeks them out. And it's a parable about God who throws parties in heaven, not just for the good and religious folks, but for all, for sinners who have been found. And what's the main requirement for a sinner who, is, uh, who uh, has been found by Jesus? They have to be lost. They have to be broken. They have to be a sinner. You know, God wants them all. Jesus is saying to us, I think, God is relentless in seeking the lost, bringing them home, and then throwing a party because he loves it when they're home again. There is really a wideness in God's mercy and love, isn't there? There's a real wideness in that. Well, a few years ago, at a Southern Ohio Synod Assembly that took place here in Cincinnati, (coughs) the keynote speaker, the Bible study leader, was Pastor Rafael Malpica Padilla, who was the director of the Global Missions for the ELCA at that time. And in his study on this text, he picked up on the idea that the numbers 10 and 100 are complete numbers. They're fullness. There's completeness there. But 9 and 99 are incomplete. So the woman's home and the shepherd's flock were incomplete unless they found that which was lost. It only made sense, Pastor Raphael said, that they respond the way they did when the coin and the sheep were lost. They were missing something that was important to their, to them and to their households and to their flock. Pastor Raphael, or Pastor Raphael went on to say, an implication of this for congregations is rather than thinking of those who are unchurched or really anyone else as the lost whom need to be found, we might consider ourselves instead to be incomplete without those for whom Jesus also invited into God's kingdom, whom Jesus also invited to follow him. (coughs) Excuse me. That really is more of a nuanced approach to understanding this text, isn't it? It's more nuanced. You got to think about it. But we're missing something if those who are lost are not a part of the church, a part of the body of Christ, a part of the kingdom, a part of of the way God wants things to be in the world. So in the end, Jesus wants the scribes and the Pharisees to to see they do not need to be those grumpy people or judgmental people or shocked people by those who wanted to hear Jesus speak and eat at his table. He doesn't want them to be upset about that. He wants them to know that's just what's supposed to happen. Jesus wanted the Pharisees to know that God's mercy was wider than maybe they imagined. 
and God's table was maybe bigger than they thought. And Jesus wanted the scribes to see that, uh, that sinners and the lost were to be rejoiced over because they were home again, or maybe they were even home for the first time. And here is what Jesus knew, I think, and that's really the point of all these parables, is the non-rejoicing criticism, it was especially prevalent when the found were somehow different than those religious leaders. How did the text start? The sinners and the tax collectors are coming, and the Pharisees and scribes are grumbling. That's how it starts. Well, Pastor Raphael summed up his Bible study, his keynote, by saying that as God's people, even today, this can be challenging for us. And he then challenged the churches of the Southern Ohio Synod to make room in our congregations for people who are different than us because of race or vocation or age or education or sexual orientation or expression of faith. And that's just to name a few. The church is somehow incomplete if we stifle the work of God's love and say, it's only for a few or it's only for us. In St. Paul Lutheran Church, where I was raised um, in Michigan City, Indiana, um, painted on the worship space was a mural right on this side of the front of the church, right there. There was a mural of Jesus um, carrying a lost sheep home while a flock followed alongside him and behind him. And while the flock, if you will, followed Jesus' leads, but there Jesus was carrying that sheep home. I studied that picture a lot as a child again and again. Perhaps the sermons were a little boring. I don't really know. <laughs> but it was something to look at as a child. And in some ways, it taught me that there would always be room in God's family for me, no matter what, that picture. And it's been comforting and reassuring to have that image in my mind, in my heart, in my mind throughout my life that knowing God will always pick me up and bring me home. But really a comforting image. But in today's lesson, I hear Jesus saying something more to me. I think Jesus is saying, Pat, that's not only good news for you, it's good news for all people. There is room in my family, in my flock, for all. It is said that only those who can celebrate and extend God's grace to others can experience that mercy for themselves. I think Jesus was challenging those who listened that day and Jesus is challenging us who follow him even now to extend God's grace uh, to others because we have received that mercy and love ourselves from God. We love and we make room in God's flock because God's love to us and made room for us first. We love because God first loved us. Amen.